gosh, I, I forgot I even had that in my pack. Well, that's what says in the sport, man. I, if Joe flicked my ear, I'd, I'd probably kind of come in the forehead. Welcome to Kafaru Cast, everyone. Uh, it's been a while since I've done a podcast, so I apologize. I've been pretty crazy busy, a lot going on. Um, but today, I wanted to do one. I've done these before. There's a ton of info on our uh, Kafaru YouTube page about this, but on bow setup and arrow tuning, top to bottom. So I guess you'd call this maybe arrow tuning 101. Uh, and this will be how I set up my bow, how I tune the arrow to the bow, point weight, how I pick the arrow I want to shoot, all that kind of crap, fletchings, everything. Um, before I do that, one thing we are going to start doing here on Kafaru Cast uh, is giving a shout out to some of the people that we partner up with that have treated us really well. We don't take sponsors on this podcast, um, but we have a lot of companies that do a lot of good things for us uh, that we really believe in. Uh, and I, I want to start announcing those. Some of them we'll probably announce on every show. Some of them will kind of rotate around. Um, but number one, Sheep Feet, uh, that's a custom insole or orthotic. Uh, they have been great to deal with. I really believe in their product. I think everybody should use them. They have a ton of different options. You basically um, have a box delivered to you. You step in the box. There's instructions. It's like a foam uh, kind of a mold. You send that back, let them know what you want, and they, they build you a set of orthotics. They seem, if um, you know, you're know you not used to buy, getting custom orthotics, I, 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 I have heard people say, oh, they're kind of expensive. The other custom orthotics I was using before were, were like 800 bucks, so they're quite a bit cheaper than what they should be. Uh, it's, a great, it's a great price, a great bargain. They last a very, very long time, and they do wonders for your feet. So uh, sheep feet, check them out. Definitely something we suggest. They've been great to deal with as well. Uh, the next one is Sig Optics and Firearms. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I know a few people over there, but Anthony has been unbelievable to deal with. They've always come through. They expect nothing in return. Um, I recently started using, a lot of guys were asking like an upper mid-level bino, so I started using the Zulu 9s. Uh, those are unbelievable for the money, the 11 by 45s I have their pistols, their rifle scopes, uh, their range finders. Um, they just, they, their range finder um, is, is unbelievable as far as, uh, especially for rifle, uh, what they offer in, in, in I have um, uh, the three, the, the bino range finder, the, the 3K, I have the 10K, I have some of the handheld range finders. I've been doing obviously a lot of testing and the range finders are amazing. Uh, binoculars are great so again they've been hu huge help for us always come through uh, Anthony's awesome to deal with and I really like the AR, their AR and their pistols so check those guys out uh, the next one uh, Sever Broadheads those guys at Sever have never asked me for anything we do promote them down uh, at Scotty's at Topo Texas a lot uh, Ryan Rotier another outfitter buddy of mine he loves them I've had unbelievable luck with them. Shooting a compound this year, obviously, I'm shooting those. Um, and I can't say enough about them. So Sever Broadhead's another company that's been great to deal with. So um, like I said, we're just going to announce some of these, each different podcast. We're not going to turn it into a sales pitch or anything. But we do want to start giving a shout-out to the companies that have um, you know, been very good to us. So there you go. All right, now we're going to kick off um, the tuning podcast, Bow Setup. Now, please keep in mind what I'm going over 
with here to a certain degree is not what you should expect from a pro shop. Some of the stuff that I go into here is very um, detailed. It, you know, it's, it's just not something a pro shop should probably expect it to do unless you're paying them to do it. Meaning, you know, you can't really ask a pro shop to, uh, you know, cut quarter inch by quarter inch off your arrow. Um, you know, if you're, you know, it, it, it's just a lot to ask. They're going to walk you out shooting a bullet hole generally. Uh, after that, I really encourage people to learn what they're doing when it comes to tuning. You'll be a better archer because of it. The next thing before I dive into this, um, you have to come to the realization that when you're tuning, if you have some form issues, if you're punching the trigger, your grip's inconsistent, you are only going to be able to tune as good as you are allowing the bow to be. So if you're punching the trigger, you know, your grip's horrible, you're torquing the crap out of the bow, things like that, you just got to work on those, but you can't expect perfection with an imperfect form. Um, and that's goes with anything, groups and group tuning, paper tuning, everything. Like you, re you really can't expect more than what you're putting into it. So sometimes... You're better off rather than really focusing on tuning that, that is going to be impossible for to get perfect. Focus on your form, uh, things like that, and then go back to tuning. So other things to think about. Um, all right. Next one. Or not next one. Big Part one. Here we go. The beginning of this. So I am going to go over compounds today, not sticks, because this is going to be long enough with just the compound and how I do it exactly from the moment I get the bow and to the moment I am heading out to hunt with broadheads in the step-by-step -step process. I'm going to do my best to not make this too confusing, but I cannot promise anything. Um, there's a lot to, yeah, there's a lot to go over. Um, and so when I say that, meaning uh, from the bow setup, uh, obviously how I do my, my D loop, things like that. And there are lots of videos We've done on this on the Kafaro YouTube page as well as other podcasts we've done. But so I get the bow, uh, right? Open it, pull it out of the box, and I'm going to do the inline five from Prime because that's the one I'm shooting right now. And I, I've been shooting a bunch of different bows for for this review I'm doing, but uh, the Prime's the one I've been uh, shooting the most. Uh, I got the bow. I throw a quick tape measure on it sometimes just to make sure that the brace height is relatively close and the axle to axle is pretty close to factory spec. And then I do a little bit of reading, make sure that if there is timing marks, things like that on the cams, that they're relatively close. Once everything like that is pretty good, um, I throw my arrow rest on it and I tie a D-loop on. Now, when I throw the arrow rest on, whether it be a limb or cable-driven drop-away, it doesn't matter. I want my arrow to be straight through, at least initially, the middle of the burger hole or the, the hole that the bolt goes through to hold the arrow rest on. I just want to make sure that's dead center, and then I go back to my string from there, and then I put the D-loop on accordingly, meaning that 90 degrees off the string, arrow goes through the burger hole. Now, when I tie my D-loop on, I have videos on this. There's lots of them out there. I want the burnt end of the knot to be away from the knock and then the running end of the D-loop to be against the knock. And then I want the, the half hitch or the clinch side of the knot. I want one to be on the left side of the string 
and the other to be on the right side of the string. I don't put the little half or the uh, little little tension hook over on both sides. Um, I'll do a video on this, so it's not as confusing because you're probably wondering what, what the fuck I'm talking about. But um, so now when you do the D loop, uh, setting this up um, I, for me, I do not put the little safety um, or uh, they're basically like a little, um, uh, I think, like super small serving where you tie it above and below the D-loop, or excuse me, above and below the knock so the D-loop doesn't pinch. I don't do those clinch knots uh, myself. I've never had a problem um, with a knock pinch just tying the D-loop on normally. A lot of shops do that, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So once I get figured out where I want my D-loop to be, and I have, um, uh, I let's say I'm going to do those clinch knots. I'll usually take a silver sharpie, not mark where my knock is. I'll tie the clinch knots above and below the knock point, uh, or above and below my knock. Um, so I've got that marked, and I don't have to goof around with the arrow rest very much. Once I have those little clinch knots tied, which I don't do, but for most people I do put those on, then I tie the D-loop on. Now, for me, when I do the D-loop, when I tie one on, I'm more about accuracy than I am speed. So some people will extend their draw length a little bit, maybe more than they should, and tie a really small D-loop on. I used to do that. In my opinion, it causes a lot more problems than good because you get more twist in your string. Um, you know, obviously, when you rotate your hand on you, you anchor, you put a little bit of tension in the string causes more oscillation I guess you could say so I like to have at least a 5 8 long D loop if not a little bit longer um, that alleviates a lot of knock pinch problems and things like that so um, I you know I, I get my bows accordingly for draw length wise um, to have that 5 8 ish D loop on less problems as far as tuning goes when you get knock pinch and erratic uh, knock tear uh, or, or when you have knock pinch, you get erratic tears, and it's something you can't really ever get right. So now I've got my D-loop tied on at least 5 eighths long, whether you do the clinch knots above and below or not. That is coming 90 degrees off the string to where when it's on the arrow rest, it's perfectly centered in the burger hole. All right, I've got that on there. I've checked my cam timing. Um, uh, when I say check my cam timing, if there's timing marks before it goes to full draw, I've got, um, uh, those all lined up. I have not actually done cam timing at full draw yet. I really don't mess with that until I get everything on my bow. Um, so D loops on now, you know, I figure out obviously draw the bow, fire a few arrows without a peep in, um, you know, for me with nothing on the bow. I've got my D-loop tied on and arrow rest is on. I've got no stabilizer on, no sight, nothing like that. I just fling some arrows, 20, 15, 50, I don't know, however many you want to. Just kind of get the string seated um, with the newer strings that are pre-stretched. That's usually all it takes for me. I don't have to worry about the peep twisting after that. So I just fire, fire some arrows through. During that time when I'm firing those arrows through, I'm not tuning anything. I am just shooting some into a bag target. But within the first arrow or two, I'm going to be able to probably tell if my cam timing at full draw is way off. Um, and so 
that's just kind of something I do. You don't have to do it that way. A lot of people will do cam timing at full draw right out of the gate. I don't believe in doing that. I think you should fire a few arrows. Well, I say a few, more than a few, 15, 20, 30 arrows before you do any kind of cam timing. A lot of guys, I don't even suggest to do it until 50 arrows or more. Usually 50 arrows will be more than enough with these new strings. So I've done that. In the time I'm doing that, some people will put a peep sight on before um, they fire those arrows through like I'm talking about. I wait because my peep is going to twist because of that initial seating of the string. So I fire those arrows before I put the peep in. Now I put my peep sight in. What I generally do to get it close is I go to full draw. I anchor and I have a buddy take a Sharpie, bring it down to where it's in line with my eye and mark where the peep should be. That gets me close. Press the bow. I put the peep in, draw it back, fire a few arrows, make sure now that the peep is coming back correctly after I've stretched the string out. Now I've got the peep in, the stabilizer system, because I tweak those a little bit. The sight is the next one I do. I don't mess with the stabilizer too much because every bow is going to be a little different. So I do get the sight on now, and I shoot a 3 16 Raptor peep for hunting uh, from Hamski. So with the sight, why it's important uh, to get that on and dialed in for me, and when I say get it on and dialed in, not the height or anything like that or left and right so much, I want to get to where the sight housing lines up with my peep. I shoot a dovetail sight, and so I bring the sight back or forth to get it to where it's circle or aligned with my peep perfectly. Now, some, uh, like Spot Hog, you can interchange the scope housings uh, to, to help you line those up. Um, right now, I'm shooting an option sight. I don't have uh, the ability to change the size of the housing uh, or the rings on the housing, and so I bring it in or out until it lines up with my peep. Peep alignment, while it doesn't have that much to do with tuning, it has a shitload to do with accuracy. So you want to make sure your housing, when you're looking through your peep housing, um, it lines up with your scope housing perfectly because if you're not lining your peep and your scope housing up every time, you will have a lot of lefts and rights and highs and lows. You will never be overly accurate because you're going to be off a little bit every time. Now, this is off the subject of tuning. A lot of people ask me, do I center the pin or the peep? Center the, or excuse me, center the housing or the pin? Center the housing, never center the pin. Center the housing every time. That is the most accurate way. You're guessing centering the pin. You are not guessing centering the housing of the site. So got that dialed in. I then Now I go mess around with my stabilizer system. I get it close. I'll perfect that later. Okay, that is the bow being set up in a nutshell. If I need to mess with the uh, timing at full draw, um, you know, I, I kind of skipped that because, um, you know, that, that I just kind of wanted to go through the blueprint of how I get the bow set up. Now, if I need to, the, let's say the timing was off in the cams, I go to a draw board or I'll redneck it and just draw it back and have a buddy watch it. But depending upon what cam system you're going in or you have, and this is why I don't want to go into great detail with this, you need to make sure that the cams are timed correctly as you're going to full draw. So if you have a draw stop top and bottom, they need to hit at the same time. And that's a matter of twisting the cables uh, up to advance um, or 
whatever, uh, make the <laughs> make the cam go clockwise or counterclockwise uh, until the um, the pegs hit at the same time. Um, there's probably some people listening at this and saying, "What an idiot!" Um, I'm better at doing this than talking about it, but I'm doing my best. Now, when when you get into the twisting of the cables, that is not something I'm going to do on a podcast because it's a visual thing. When you twist the cable, one will it you can make the cam go forward or backward, rotating forward or or the or the opposite, counterclockwise or clockwise. But you want them to be firing at the same time, or you can get very low or knock high tears. I'm not going to go into that in very great detail because um, it's a pain in the butt. Uh, to do uh, verbally. Uh, the only other thing that I would suggest is my arrow rest. I go off of factory spec away from the riser, meaning I think most of them are 13 16 to the center of the arrow. Um, and I set my bows up to that. Engineers built these things. They generally know more than everyone else. And so I want to keep my arrow rest to factory or to what the factory or the bow manufacturer spec says. So if it's 13 sixteenths, I move my rest left or right until the center of my arrow is 13 sixteenths or whatever the manufacturer says to do away from the riser. And best case scenario, what I'm hoping for is I'm going to get to shoot a bullet hole keeping my arrow rest right there. I don't like bumping my rest in or out too much. I don't mind a little but I don't want to do it too much. Um, so I'm going to leave that there. There is far better videos and, and things like that that goes into the cam timing, things like that. It's just not something I can do um, on a podcast as well as I can when I go into tuning the arrow. So um, now that the bow is set up, um, I've got everything on there. Now I want to figure out what arrow I want to shoot. Now as far as what arrow I want to shoot, I'm going to base that off of a few different things. Uh, when I say what arrow, not just what model or what brand of arrow, what size of arrow, what weight of arrow, component weight, how many fletches, how much speed I want to get, those are all into this equation. So um, when, you, when you're figuring those things out, you want to see, okay, what's my draw length? That's number one. All right, how many pounds am I shooting? Okay, number two. What animal am I going to be going after? All right, so animal. And now, what point weight or component weight do I want up front total? Off of those few things, I'm going to be able from sitting down figure out what, uh, what arrow I'm going to want to shoot. So for me, I'm a 29-inch draw. I generally like to shoot between 70 and 80 pounds, so we'll just say 75 pounds. I want to be somewhere between a 475 grain and a 500 grain arrow um, shooting 75 pounds at 29 inches. And what that generally gets me, depending upon the bow, is 280 feet per second. So with what I talked about before with your draw length, um, how many pounds you're shooting, what animal you're going after, the component weight, with all of those things, obviously you end up with, you know, you also want to know what speed you want to shoot. Um, and I kind of left that out. So for me, again, 280 feet per second ish, maybe 285 right in there is my high end 265, 265 feet per second is my low end. I try not to go below 265 and I try not to go below above 285. The reason why I am used to my bow, my arrow 
flying at 280 feet per second, the cast. The noise of the bow is generally quieter. Well, not generally, always quieter. The heavier arrow, the quieter the bow. And so less tuning issues as well. Faster you go, the harder it is to tune. So again, 265 to 280, 285, I always want to be right in there. Now, that you can read all about this stuff online and the different um, theories behind it and, and everything else. And I, you know, more speed, the animal can duck, can do this. You know, my aunt can grow balls and become my uncle, all kinds of shit. The reality is, is you're not going to ever shoot faster than the speed of sound. And so while a faster arrow is important to a certain degree, a quiet bow, in my opinion, is more important and I definitely have found that to be extremely true shooting a recurve because I am only shooting 180 feet per second, generally. And <coughs> I do have animals duck the string, so of course speed's going to help. But one of the reasons that you can get more than one arrow off at an animal with a recurve is they do not hear the bow go off. And so, again, noise, speed, you know, I got wrapped up in speed a lot when I was younger just something to think about. I do not ever suggest for people to shoot over 200 and specifically 90 feet per second. But again, 280 is the happy point for me. Good speed, you know, the noise, everything else of the bow. So now I 475 to 500 is generally where I want to be to get to 280 feet per second, depending upon the speed of the bow. That inline five was pretty snappy. It had some decent speed, but Keep in mind, any bow manufacturer, when it says IBO speed, that is a bit of a joke. Um, all, not saying all bow manufacturers lie. Some do. But um, that is not the speed you are going to get because I think they test that with no serving on. They definitely test it with no peep on, on your, on your uh, string. And it's 5 grains per pound at 70 pounds. So that's shooting a 350-grain arrow which no one, in my opinion, should ever hunt with. And so keep that in mind. So when you're figuring these things out, about every 10 grains, whether you add it or take it away, you're going to gain or lose three feet per second. And then when you add peep sights and things like that to your string, you're going to lose speed. So for me, if I have a bow that IBOs around 330, roughly, um, let's say 330 to 340, I know that around... 70 to 75 pounds um, and 29 inch draw that I'm going to get a 475 to 500 grain arrow around 280 feet per second. Here's where I start to run the variables. <coughs> For every pound of bow weight you add or take away, you're going to gain or lose around two to three feet per second. So if I go from 70 to 75 pounds, uh, you know, whatever, somewhere around 12, 13, 14, 15 feet per second, I'm gaining from where I was at 70 pounds. Just throwing these things out there for you guys to think about in gals. So at 75 pounds, or excuse me, at 70 pounds with a 475 grain arrow out of an inline five, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm probably going to be around 265 to 70 feet per second, roughly, um, just from you know, experience and everything else, knowing what the bow IBO is at uh, and shooting enough 475 plus grain arrows. So I'm like, all right, well, 470, 400, or excuse me, uh, 270 feet per second isn't bad, but 
Prime, uh, every Prime I've had comes in a little heavy, which I prefer. So, all right, at 74 to 75 pounds, I'm going to be in that 280 to 285 range with a 475 grain arrow. So now, as I'm hopefully this is making sense, I'm kind of rambling on. I'm going to now figure out what arrow I need and component and point weight I am going to need to get to that 475 to 500 grain point uh, or or let's say point uh, arrow weight. So I personally like to shoot 175 grains up front on a compound plus or minus. So I'm going to shoot 125 grain tip pretty much always um, point and then I'm going to want 50 grains uh, at a, uh, around and about 50 grain components. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm getting over a cold. So I'm going to need a 50 grain insert or insert and collar um, to to get me about to uh, where I want as far as the point weight. But now I need to figure out grains per inch. And so, you know, figuring that out, um, if, if you can imagine, if I got 175 grains up front, um, I'm going to need a 300 grain total arrow. And I know at 29 inches of draw, I'm going to be around 27 to 27 and a half inch arrow length, roughly. Okay, and this is where, this doesn't mean that's where you're going to cut your arrow down to. This is just me running numbers to figure out my total arrow weight. So, without even looking at what arrow I'm shooting, I'm going to go ahead and take a guess that at 8, let's say 8.5 grain per inch arrow, multiplied by 27.5 is 233 um, uh, grains. That doesn't include, um, you know, my knock or if there's a like a bushing for the knock on the arrow or anything like that. Um, so if I did 233 grains and then I add the 175 up front, that puts me at 408 grains. And then let's say six grains or so for fletching. So eight plus 18 grains. You're at 426, and then if you're going to add the knock, if you're going to use a wrap, things like that. So I'm a little bit short of where I want to be at 8.5, 8.6 grains. So I probably, let's figure it out, at 9.5. So at 9.5 grains per inch, and then I'm going to multiply that by, as an estimate, 27.5 inches. I'm at 261 grains. That's about getting there. And then I'm going to add 175. That puts me at 436 grains, um, roughly. And then fletchings and the knock, things like that. So you guys can kind of see where I'm getting at as I'm adding this stuff up of how I figure this out. So I'm just going to pull up Black Eagle's website. I shoot Black Eagle's um, and give you an example of what I'm talking about. So Black Eagle arrows, hunting arrows. And this is just so you guys can kind of understand and, and gals, if um, you know, you're wanting to kind of figure these things out on your own, you can kind of see where I'm kind of adding and robbing Peter to pay Paul and, and figuring out what I want. So I'm going to scroll to uh, Spartans. That's what I'm shooting right now. I was shooting Outlaws, but I gave them all to my buddy Dan. So Spartan Shafts. All righty. Um, looking through here. We scroll down, and we have got a 300 spine uh, arrow is 9 grains per inch. And 9 grains to is what I you know, figured out a minute ago. That's going to be pretty close to what I want to be at. 
This is probably a little bit confusing, but what it boils down to is when you figure out your poundage, you figure out your arrow spine, you also want to figure out your grains per inch in accordance to how much point weight you want. And now that I'm done rambling about this, I'm going to go into that portion of it. Uh, and I've done tons of other podcasts talking about figuring out, you know, blueprinting what arrow you want. So let's talk about the spine. And this is where people get really confused at times of if, uh, you know, hey, I need to add 50 grains to my arrow. What do I need to do? Uh, well, if your arrow's flying good, without that 50 grains, you're screwed. You're probably going to need to change your spine. So there are plenty of charts out there to figure out arrow spine. The problem is when you get into really heavy poundage or really heavy point and component weight, those charts kind of fly out the window. Um, and so that gets a little bit confusing for people. And then the other thing is figuring out ahead of time, like I'm talking about now, where you want to figure out before you waste a bunch of money on arrows, here's my draw length, here's my poundage. What spine do I need with this much point weight up front? So and to, to get everything to coincide with each other. So for me, I'm generally always going to be a 250 or 300 spine at 75 pounds at a 29 inch draw length um, with 175 to 200 up front with point weight and component weight. Now, if now that's with that much po component weight up front, if I was shooting, shooting a standard, uh, let's say, whether I was, let's say I was shooting an Easton Axis or a Black Eagle Outlaw with an aluminum insert. Both of those inserts, the RPS insert for an Outlaw is probably, I don't know, 18 grains. And I don't know what a hit insert, but it can't be much more than that. So that means I've only, let's just say they're both 15 grains. Okay. So that means if I'm shooting 50 grains, right? That's a 35 grain difference out of the gate just in component weight because I'm shooting 50 grains up front. And then let's say you shoot 100 grains uh, rather than a 125 grain broadhead. So for me, I have 175 up front to 200. You are going to have 115 grains up front. So at the very least, you're going to be, you know, if I'm at 175, uh, 60 grains different of point weight at a minimum compared to what I'm at, which means you are going to need a weaker spine. Um, and let me break this down a little bit uh, more. And this is, I hope I make this to where you guys, you guys and gals can at least understand this. When you take an arrow and you're figuring out the spine uh, of the arrow or what you need, the way that you can tweak the system, so to speak, is as you shorten the arrow, you stiffen the spine longer the arrow, weaker the spine. As you add point weight, you are weakening the spine. When you take point away, you stiffen the spine of the arrow. And so in this case, we haven't ordered arrows yet. We're just figuring out what point and component weight we want. As I just said, if you're shooting a standard insert and a 100 grain point, you are 60-ish grains lighter than I am up front, meaning a spine weaker than I would be shooting probably. So you will probably be with the exact same weight, um, meaning draw weight, and the exact same draw length. With that much difference in point weight, you will be a spine above me. So rather than uh, shooting a 300, 
you could probably get away with a 350 spine or rather than a 250, a 300 spine. Now, the other thing to think about that, though, is I always cut my arrows about a quarter to three eighths in front of my arrow rest, not my shelf, my rest. If you like your arrow in front of your shelf, you're going to be at least an inch to an inch and a half arrow longer arrow than I am. And so you might be able to get away with a 300 spine if you're an inch and a half longer arrow than I am. Um, and, and again, this is not something you're going to knock out of the park by just listening to this once. This just gives you an idea of what to do, um, you know, when you when you're tuning and tweaking. So when you're figuring that out, OK, I strongly suggest to add some point or component weight up front. Um, point weight, not as important. Component weight, beef up the front of that arrow. Uh, when I say that, add a collar to it, shoot a stainless steel insert rather than aluminum, aluminum insert, especially RPS inserts, and, and hit them, they bend easy. So, you know, brass isn't a bad idea, stainless steel, titanium, something beefy up front. Titanium is expensive, so forget I said that. Uh, brass or steel components. That is going to beef up the front and a collar. Collars are amazing. I suggest to try to put collars on just about any system. I'm not shooting them on my Spartans right now. Um, they've been durable enough. I haven't had to worry about it. But again, beefing up the front of your arrow is a great idea for durability. But also, the more point weight you add, within reason, you are going to buck the wind a little bit better. If you don't have much point weight in there, it's not going to buck a buck heavy wind nearly as well. Your arrow is going to drift more, do some wonky shit. And so, I would... I, I generally never suggest for anybody to shoot a standard RPS insert or standard aluminum insert, add some weight to the front. So having said that, I'm going to, you know, a lot of this is going to be based off of what I'm doing, but we, we need to get to where we know what arrow we want. So I just pulled up the Black Eagle Spartan, and I know I'm generally a 300 spine or a 250 spine. But I also know I want to be around 475 grains-ish up front. So right now, I'm going to look at the components. 28 grains stainless steel, um, uh, RPS insert, or whatever you want to call it, for the Spartan. So it comes with a 28-grain uh, insert. Now, I'm, that's not enough because that only puts me a little over 150 grains with a 125-grain point. So I'm going to add a 30-grain weight to the back of that. So that's 58 grains. And then 125 grain point. Um, so it, obviously if it was a 50 grain point, that's 175. Uh, so I'm at 183 grains, I believe. That's right. Up front total with what I think I'm going to need. So now 300 spine, 9 grains per inch. Um, so 9 grains multiplied by 27 and a half is 247 grains and then I'm going to add 183 grains 430 then I'm going to add 18 grains in the back end for a uh, a wrap so that's 448 grains and then I'm going to add and this is a guess 13 grains for the knock that's 461 grains and then I'm going to add another 18 grains if I'm shooting three fletch for my fletchings 479 grains this was easy for me to do because this is what I have my bow set up as. 479 grains. Um, 
and I actually ended up at 484 grains, so obviously a little bit longer than whatever I said, 27 and a half inches. So 479 grains, 300 spine. I'm going to be around, and I knew this before, uh, ahead of time. This is exactly how I did mine. Um, uh, you know, when I figured out what I was going to shoot out of the inline, I uh, was adding this up, getting close. So, all right. I've got my raw shafts have come in, right? I've got all my fletchings and shit to screw around with. I've got my weights, my inserts. I've got my uh, 125 grain field points. I've got some hundreds there in case I need to change some things. Let's start the tuning process. So right now I've got my arrow rest centered perfectly and a 90 degree, um, you know, off the string, my arrow. And I'm shooting through, I'm going to shoot through the paper or uh, shoot into a bag target just to see which way my arrow is tuning or, or excuse me, uh, tearing. So knock right, left, high, low. So there is a lot to think about with this because you're drinking through a fire hose because, like I said before, you can move the rest a little bit. You can yoke tune. I don't want to go into a lot of those things. I'll touch on them. I'm just going to go into the manipulation of the arrow for the next 15 minutes or so so you understand what you can do to make this arrow fly perfectly. So I am not going to cut my arrow, this first arrow that I cut down, I am not going to cut this arrow down to um, 27 and a half. I'm probably going to cut it at 28 and a quarter. Uh, I mean, I'm going to cut it at least three quarters longer than what I am expecting to end up at, maybe even an inch longer. And that's going to give me the ability as I'm tuning to cut a little off at a time if I'm tearing weak um, to straighten that tear up. So let's just we'll just call it 28 and a half to make things simple, an inch longer than where I thought I'd end up. And I want to, and I don't want to mess around with my components if I don't have to. I'll go in to, do, you know, I'll go into it on what to do with that, but I don't want to. I've got all my points. I've got a few hundred grain components, but I, or hundred grade points, but I want to shoot 125. So now, next question I get a lot. Do you wrap your, you know, do you simulate um, the 18 grains on the back end of your arrow for fletching and your wrap and all that? I wrap my arrow, I fletch my arrow, and then I cut the fletching off and leave the base on there when I'm, when I'm doing this. You do not have to do that. Really, I just always like to have a bear shaft, so I make one anyway when I'm bear shaft tuning, but I do have a wrap on there if I'm going to shoot a wrap, and I have at least the spine of the uh, base of the fletchings. And there's going to be a little bit of difference as far as, yes, there would be another let's say 12 grains, let's say I took six grains off the, you know, the, the fletchings, cutting them off, leaving the base. That's not enough to make a giant difference uh, with tuning. It might make a little, but I haven't seen it make a big, big difference. You do want the wrap on there. They can be heavy, but don't, don't be picking fly shit out of chili. This isn't that big of a deal. If you're that worried about it, do what I just said. Um, okay, so now ready to shoot through paper. My arrow's an inch longer than it needs to be. And so I got some room to cut it down. And I strongly suggest using hot melt to do this because you want to be able to heat up the component and pull it out and cut your arrow down. If you glue it in with epoxy or super glue, probably going to screw the arrow up. So you want to do this with hot melt. 
What's really good for a temporary glue is that blue glue from G5, I think. It's like a, a low heat hot melt for tuning. Do not glue your shit in with that. That is not long-term glue, just for tuning. So I fire my first arrow down the pipe. All right, I'm going to, uh, I, I'm going to assume, and I just did. Dang, I tore knock left, so my arrow is weak. You can Google all of this stuff, but with a left tear, you're generally tearing weak. With a right tear, you're tearing stiff. Knock high or high tear, knock high, knock low, knock low. That seems probably sounded stupid, but meaning if I'm tearing knock high, my arrow rest is low. If I'm tearing knock low, my arrow rest is too high or my D loop, but generally it's the arrow rest I'm going to be moving. It should be really close. So I fire the arrow through and I'm tearing weak. So I'm tearing an inch knock left. So how much do I cut off to take away that inch knock left? How much do my arrow do I cut off? Uh, probably at least a half an inch, if not more. Now I know that I needed to, you know, it's probably going to be closer to an inch, but you don't want to go for the gusto too much. So you know, take a quarter to a half inch off. If it's just like a quarter to three eighths knock left, um, you know, take a quarter to a, a three eighths inch. If it's, you know, a half to three quarter knock or three eighths to a half or whatever, you get the idea. The bigger the tear, the more you can cut off. The smaller the tear, the less you can cut off. I probably made that sound confusing. So I tore half inch knock left or whatever it is, an inch knock left. Um, I'm going to take some length off the arrow to stiffen the arrow up. Now, if it's an insane amount of knock left and you should be shooting close to a bullet hole, you may need to look at yoke tuning or shifting your cam over on your bow. Again, I always want to keep my arrow rest to factory or manufacturer spec as far as uh, center shot. Uh, so if I'm just tearing a little bit knock left and I cut some of the arrow off and it straightens up, great. But if there's a big, big problem, you're probably, if you're going to tear knock left, you need to shift your cams to the left. Uh, there's other things you can do as far as adding tension on, um, you know, the, some of the different cable slides or, or uh, whatever, um, or roller guards, roller slides, whatever you want to call them. You can add um, or take away tension on some of those. But the bottom line is you're tearing knock left. You need to drop point weight or shorten your arrow. So... Again, don't go for the gusto and just hack it all off at one time. If you're getting really close, you cut smaller amounts off to a point to where you're shooting a bullet hole. Now, you can do this with a fletched arrow or a bear shaft. I I personally, I, you know, I'll fling a couple arrows through with a bear shaft if it's pretty close. I don't paper tune a lot with a bear shaft. I get it pretty close, um, and then I personally finish it up with fletchings through the paper and I don't shoot through paper a whole whole lot I just get it real close if a bullet hole happens great um, if it's you know quarter inch knock left knock right knock high knock low I guess get it close because I go to bear shaft tuning and group tuning after this I again I have seen plenty of people uh, shoot bullet holes with bear shaft bullet holes with fletched arrows and the broadhead still not tuned perfectly and have to tweak a little bit. So again, if I would have shot stiff knock right, 
I would need a longer arrow, which I can't glue arrow uh, length on, which is why you start with a longer arrow and work your way back, or I would need to add component or point weight. Now, the farther you're tearing right, now this is for right-handed shooters, it's opposite for left hand, the farther you're tearing right, simple enough, the more, meaning the more point weight you need to add or the longer your arrow needs to be, exact opposite of tearing left. Now, as far as knock high and low, that's generally a simple adjustment of the arrow rest. If you're just tearing a little bit knock high, lower the arrow, or excuse me, raise the arrow rest just a little bit. Vice versa, if you're tearing a little bit knock low, lower the arrow rest. Now, if it's an astronomical amount, couple, well, there's a few things you can do, but the, the two prominent things to look at, your cam timing is one of them. And you can also tiller tune, which I don't want to go into that, which is taking cranks off the, the one of the limbs and not the other, the top limb instead of the bottom or vice versa. If you're tearing really bad knock high your cam or knock low, your cam timing is probably off. Now, there's many other things this could be. You could have fletching clearance problems that generally causes a knock high tear. Uh, you know, depending upon what arrow rest, you're having con contact issues, things like that. But for the most part with technology, drop away arrow rests, it's usually your cams. It's That's the problem, your cam timing. So with cam timing, I'm not, without being able to video this, I'm not going to go into detail because it wouldn't make any sense anyway. But go to your pro shop, have them put it on a drop board, get the timing uh, fixed up on it. You need a, a bow press for this for the most part. So you're probably going to have to take it to a pro shop anyway. If you're listening to this saying, dude, you don't know what you're talking about, you probably already have a bow press and you know what you're doing, so you're good. So, um, but for, you know, basic statements, knock high, knock low, just move your arrow rest a little bit. Um, so, as I'm talking about this and I'm going over the different knock high, low, left, and right, the thing that I think people um, aren't, necessarily understanding all the time you cannot just grab an arrow and shoot a hundred grain point all the time and go to a hundred and fifty grain point you're going to have to go to a stiffer spine to be able to do that you can't just add weight somewhere on the arrow and make it work generally unless you're already shooting way too stiff of a spine arrow it's not going to pan out for you the 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 goal here is to keep your arrow as close to center shot as you possibly can by manipulating the arrow, not the bow. I don't like bumping my arrow rest in or out. Um, now, as far as the yoke tuning or shifting the cams, that sometimes you just have to do that. That's not manipulating the arrow rest. I don't mind moving the cams and I don't mind twisting up the yoke, but I want to keep that arrow rest as center as I can by manipulating the arrow. So hopefully that made enough sense as far as shooting through paper with a bare shaft or fletched arrow, right? If, if it's tearing weak, take a little bit of length off the arrow. If it's tearing stiff, add point weight or start with a longer arrow. Get it really close or perfect. Now, after that, there are different um, theories behind bare shaft tuning and group tuning with bare shafts and the, the, the shaft hitting with a fletched arrow and all. There's a ton of different stuff to it. So I am going to take a drink. Not peanut butter whiskey. Ah, all right. 
Now, I'm going outside. I've just shot through paper. I've cut my arrows down. They're super close. Dang near a bullet hole or a bullet hole. I'm doing this on a non-windy day. And I want to see how close an arrow with no fletchings on it hits to my group with my fletched arrows. So obviously I got to sight my bow in with fletched arrows and get it real close or at least do it to 20 yards to where I can shoot a bear shaft beside it. So I shoot my fletched arrow and it's in the dot. Um, the matrix target. Money, pinwheel, shoot my fletched arrow. My, or excuse me, shoot my bear shaft arrow. My bear shaft arrow is hitting left and low of my fletched arrow, meaning the impact of my non-fletched arrow is low left. That means, generally, the arrow is tearing out of the bow to the right and knock high. So from the moment it's left, it's tearing knock high right, and so it's guiding itself down low left of my fletches. Now, there are varying degrees of opinions on this, meaning if I'm impacting to the left of my fletched arrows, you can read online if you look long enough to where people will say to move the, um, the arrow rest towards the fletched arrows. There's other people that will say that you need to move it away from the fletched arrows. Now, it's been my experience that if my arrow is guiding itself knock high and, you know, right... I want to move the point of that arrow right up and right so it in lines with my knock. So what I'm saying is if my fletched arrow is in the middle, my bear shaft is low left, I want to bump my arrow rest a little bit to the right and up to try to get it to hit with my fletched arrow. And they will eventually coincide with each other and they'll hit the same. Now, if you think you've done a piss poor job on the initial setup with the arrow length portion, very easy to tell that. The knock high part, because it's impacting low, is easy. Bump the rest up. But if you're wondering if your arrow is tearing too stiff, it is good to have multiple different point weights just laying around, meaning everything from 75 to 150, 200 grains. Just have a couple of them laying around. So if you're doing this and you're like, ah, okay, I got the knock high and low part figured out, but I'm not 100% sure that my, you know, my arrow might be tearing stiff. Throw an extra 25 grains on the front, and if it bumps it back in the middle, your bear shaft or bumps it over, it's just learning, tuning, tweaking. You're just messing around with your system to say, hey, maybe I'm not tearing stiff. Maybe I am. Maybe I need to you know, bump things. Maybe I don't. It's, it's just a matter of tweaking and playing with it. And so in, in my case, um, once I shoot 20 and I get, you know, those pretty close, bare shaft and fletched, um, you know, and I've, I've cut my arrow down, my goal is to have my bare shaft on a non-windy day hit within a softball of my fletched arrow at 20, 30, and 40 yards. Generally at 20, it's closer, 30 a little farther away. At 40, if I'm within a softball with my bare shaft, even a little bigger than that, that's a victory. There's no fletching on the freaking arrow, right? There's nothing steering it. And so you're not going to, I mean, we're not, I mean, we're not shooting a bullet, right? I mean, it, it's going to be, it, it is what it is to a certain degree. If your groups, you know, if you can't, you know, shoot within a paper plate at 40 yards, 
normally and you shoot a bear shaft at 40 and it's within a paper plate, walk away. Like, that's good. I mean, most guys, um, a softball group at 40 is amazing, right? That's good shooting. If you're even remotely close with the bear shaft hitting inside of a softball group with your fletched arrows at 40, your bear shaft's not going to get make you better. It's going to get worse from your normal group. So keep that in mind. So if you're not that good of a shot at, at let's say, 40, but you're decent enough at 20, just bear shaft at 20 and get it again to hit within a softball of your fletched arrow. And then you will micro-tune when you go to broadheads. Now, there's... Um, you know, different ways as far as like uh, maybe perfecting, tweaking your group, the tiller tuning, a lot of that stuff. I don't want to go into that in great, great detail because that's really picking fly shit out of chili. But if my arrow, again, low left, bump my arrow rest up because I'm tearing knock high and potentially just a little bit bump it to the right to hit with that fletched arrow. Do that once. Shoot a fletch. You don't need to shoot a fletch there again, actually. But I, I do because, you know, they're, they're going to both move a little bit. So shoot the fletch arrow, shoot the bear shaft again. They should be a little closer. And sometimes you might move it so much it goes the opposite. Now you're going to shoot high right and get it close. Because, again, you're going to have to shoot broadheads after this. Now, once I've done and I've got to where I could say a softball, Copenhagen lid, Pretty dang close to where the bear shaft and the broadheads are hitting the same at 20. Or excuse me, the bear shaft and the fletched arrows hitting the same at 20. Now, <clears throat> I want to, again, may have to move my, my sight a little bit, get dialed back in where I'm hitting the dot at 20 uh, with my fletched arrows. Not going to mess with my bear shaft now. I just did that. It's pretty close. Now I'm going to screw on a broadhead. Now, mechanicals, I'm not talking about. Generally, those are going to hit anyway. Fixed blade broadhead. Screw that fixed blade broadhead on. Before I shoot that broadhead, I'm going to put that on an arrow spinner and make sure that thing is spinning as true as possible, which is perfect. I don't want any deviation or deflection or any issue with, like, I guess you would say concentricity or run out. I need that thing to spin perfect or it throws everything you're doing off. You can't just screw broadheads on an arrow and expect them to spin perfectly especially lower-end broadheads, aluminum ferrules. They're not, not, not going to probably spin, spin great. you got to make sure they're all spinning well. Now, when I spin them, if it's off a little, I actually just put it on the edge of the table, the point of it, and flex it to where it spins perfect. Now, the slower the bow, the more you can get away with maybe a little bit imperfection on broadhead and a little bit um, longer fletching will cover some of that, and I'm not going to go into fletching until a little bit later. So now... Um, put the broadhead on. It should, if it's spinning correctly, hit the same as the bear shaft and the fletched shaft. Sometimes it'll be a little bit different. And so as you can imagine with, or, or think about this, when you shoot an unfletched arrow and a fletched arrow, the fletched arrow comes out, it's guided with the fletchings impacts. When you shoot a, a, a bear shaft or an unfletched arrow, when it comes out of the bow, it is traveling with no corrections from fletching from the knock angle throughout to the point. So again, like I talked about, if it's tearing knock high right, it's going to impact low left. Now we have fletchings and a broadhead on. The same principle is going to happen. So if you are tearing knock high right coming out of the bow, that broadhead will 
increase that um, low left impact because of the wind hitting the broadhead and it flagging it or guiding it down even farther. So if you got your fletched uh, arrow and your bear shaft to hit pretty close, but you started off knock no low left, or excuse me, impact low left. There's a good possibility when you screw a, a broadhead on, even though the bear shaft was quote unquote perfect with your fletched arrow, you may impact low left a little bit and you need to bump it a little bit again to the right and high within reason. And I'm leaving a ton of stuff out when we were talking about, again, the, the yoke tuning and all that other crap. This is just, again, manipulating the arrow. So I talked about how to fix that. It's no different if I was impacting high right. Um, that means I'm tearing knock low and left, meaning weak. Now, if I impact high right, I lower my arrow rest a hair. And I may do that first and shoot again just to make sure I've got that portion fixed. Then I am like, okay, I'm tearing weak. I may want to cut a little bit of arrow off. If I'm impacting at 20 yards, a couple inches to the right, ugh, that's not much. So I'm not going to be cutting too much of that arrow off, and I'm probably just going to bump the rest more than the arrow if it's that close. Again, this is just tweaking and tuning, messing with it. So I think that's probably enough to get um, y'all kind of halfway figured out, um, you know, on some of the questions I got yesterday as far as how I do this. Now, when I, you know, the fletching portion of this, I didn't talk about that yet because this kind of goes, you know, uh, there's a lot of parts and pieces to the fletching puzzle uh, in, in, well, just without arrow wraps. Do you shoot offset? Do you shoot offset and helical? Do you just shoot helical without offset? Do you shoot three fletch? Do you shoot four fletch? High profile veins, low profile veins, short veins, long veins. Holy shit. Now, I'm getting old, and I really am not on the small vein train like I used to be. I, uh, I shoot 2.6 AAE hybrids, which at one time was actually a short vein, but keep in mind I used to shoot 4- and 5-inch Marco veins, which literally was insane compared to now. I don't, um, I don't like high-profile veins. I personally have found best for a 3-inch or uh, roughly a 3-inch, three 3-fletch, three or 3-inch, three 4-fletch low-profile vein. Now, for years, I shot 4-fletch, 3-inch, or 2.6 or whatever, 2.75. So somewhere between you know, 2 and 3 quarters to 3-inch roughly vein. Four fletch, low profile, offset, not helical. So meaning my with a compound, my arrow or my fletch is sitting at an angle on the arrow, about three degrees. People ask me how many degrees. I have no idea. I just put as much as their fletch would stay on there. Two or three degree offset, four fletch, low profile, around three inch, two and three quarter vein. That was the best I found all around for... Not too bad a wind drag, good stabilization, things like that. I never found a reason that you really needed to shoot helical on a compound because I was always able to get it tuned with just offset. Now, recently, um, I've started using the uh, Arizona Mini Max Fletcher, and that is a three-fletch with a ton of helical. Now, why is helical bad? If helical stabilizes your arrow, why wouldn't you shoot helical? Well, the parachute. You know, you hear a lot of people talk about the parachute of the fletchings, which means 
the farther out the arrow goes, that helical or that arrow spinning and that fletch is slowing your arrow down with a obviously loss of momentum, but also, you know, your arrow is dropping like crazy. Now, one of the reasons is that Arizona easy fletch is just easy to fletch. It is super simple. It's fast. I've got three of them. I was shooting a lot of helical on my trad arrows, and so I was using it for that. And then I'm like, I need to fletch my compound arrows, so I just used it. I get 86 yards, 84 yards out of that uh, sight that I have, which is um, an option archery. I got about 100 out of a spot hog with, you know, that much helical. Anymore, I don't get too wrapped up in the long distance. You know, like, fuck, if... If you, if you can't get within 80, you probably should work on hunting a little bit. Now, secondary shots, I get all that. All I'm saying is, I mean, if you want to drop bombs, I'm the last guy to say shit about that. I, I've shot a lot of animals far away. But I am saying, if you are cheat, like reinventing the wheel to shoot the smallest fletch for the least amount of parachute, and you're running into nightmares tuning because there's not much steering back there, for fuck's sake, put a longer vein on there and put a little offset and helical on it and you'll probably solve a lot of problems. If you're reinventing the wheel to shoot faster than Flash Gordon, I'm old, you probably don't know who that is, um, you might want to just shoot a slower arrow. You don't have to shoot 300 feet per second. Again, shoot 280. It's a little more easy to control. Don't shoot a one and three quarter or two and a quarter vein for hunting. Shoot a two and three quarter to three inch vein. Again, I get it. You're pushing the limits. You're wanting to shoot as far as you can. I, I'm not criticizing anyone for that. I have shot animals really far away, but I am saying it will save you a lot of stress to shoot a little bit slower with a little bit longer vein. And I, I get it. I mean, you get a lot of different guys. Gillingham, he shoots really far. I, I get that. But there's something to be said to getting within 5 to 10 yards of an animal and shooting it in its living room rather than dropping a 90-yard bomb. I'm not criticizing anyone. I just shot, what did I shoot the other day? I shot an owl dad at like, I don't know, far, like really far. So it was wounded. It didn't matter as far as the distance or whatever. But I'm not afraid to sit, reach out there and poke one. But I don't sacrifice accuracy and consistency to shoot faster and farther. I always focus on accuracy. Accuracy wins every time, guaranteed. And you will have way less nightmares tuning with a little slower bow and a little bit more fletching. I'm not saying shoot four four-inch fletches. I'm just saying a little bit longer. So keep that in mind. Now, figuring out fletching, part of this micro-tuning thing, whatever you want to call it, what fletch should I use? If you're going to get to the nitty-gritty of this, what I like to do is I will fletch three or four different combos of fletchings uh, of, of, of fletching. Me, but whether it be three and four fletch, so let's say I'll do one two point two and a half inch three fletch, one uh, group of arrows, two and a half four fletch offset. One will have helical, one won't, but I'll, I'll fletch three arrows of each different combo. And that may be different vein lengths, different profiles, three fletch, four fletch, but I'll do three or four of those. So I'm going to have a dozen or so arrows beside me. 
So I'm going to have four different combos. And I want to see which one of those is grouping better. Now, if I've already tuned all of this, it's, just, it's not going to really affect the tune having a three or a four fletch. That's not going to make any difference. I'm just seeing what's grouping better at long distance. So what I do is I take like the back of a one spot target, a big white target, and I put a black circle in the middle of it. That's the easiest thing for me to see. Um, or, you know, whatever tickles your fancy as far as what you aim at best. And I have a color coded system for this. So I'm going to have, if I've got four different groups of arrows, so three arrows, four different combos. I'm going to have four different Sharpies in different color markers. I'm going to have a blue. I'm going to have a red. I'm going to have a black. And I'm going to have a green. Each one of those is going to coincide with the different combo that I have. So right now, hypothetically, my blue Sharpie is going to be a three-inch vein, three-fletch with offset and helical. My red is going to be a two and a half inch vein, low profile, four fletch with offset. And then so on and so forth, black and green, the other systems. I'm gonna stand there and I'm going to shoot with no wind for a long time, over and over, putting the best effort I can at 80 yards. For me, it's 80, some people might be 50, whatever you're comfortable with your, where you shoot pretty good groups at. Every group I shoot down there, I take and I circle the arrow uh, with whatever color coincides with that different group or different combo. By the time I'm done shooting, you are going to be able to see which little circle of the Sharpie color has the tightest group. Now, occasionally you're going to wing one or whatever, but you're going to be able to see. That, when I have time, which I don't anymore, is how I would get the best system for me. Uh, for grouping and generally that also you know I was shooting mechanicals with a compound for the most part but I shot fixed blades as well that transferred right over that also had the best groups with uh, broadheads as well that's how I figured that out if you don't have time to do that well just shoot a three inch vein three or four fletch low profile offset or offset and helical let it rip and don't don't worry about it the bottom line most people miss the animal anyway from their brain, not their fletching. So I wouldn't get too stressed over that. But if you want to get anal about it, and I, you know, I, I like to dig into the weeds and figure out what's best, that is a good system to do that. I just talked about fletching, some different things as far as to look at, as far as what fletching is best, things like that. <clears throat> the one thing I want to stress before I, you know, end this, and again, these are just kind of general things that I've went over to, to think about. Um, you, if your if your group is bigger than a paper plate at forty yards, and you're trying to, you know, bear shaft tune, don't get as close um, uh, as you as you are accurate. If you're accurate at twenty yards, don't don't go any farther than that. Um, and and that goes with a lot of different things with archery. I see, you know, there's a lot of people that will kind of really dive into the deep end on certain things when they can't shoot very well really work on accuracy really work on consistency work on your form those are the things that are important okay and then 
work on maybe some different possible arrow and broadhead options, things like that. But accuracy, I mean, just hitting the animal is the hard part for people. Sometimes that's because of tuning, but most of the part is just because you're not a very good shot and you just need to work on it. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, the You know, that kind of goes, that goes for everything, whether it be, you know, do I shoot 464 grains or 484? Uh, that 20 grains isn't going to make that big of a difference, but practicing bear shaft, uh, or excuse me, blind bail shooting every night, working on your form. If you got target panic, getting rid of that, that really is what you need to be focusing on. That is extremely important. The other stuff will come. The more accurate you get, the better you get as far as like getting rid of, of target panic and uh, target anticipation, things like that. Get rid of those things. The other things will become much easier. The other thing, don't worry about freaking speed so much. Do not worry about it. I mean, 290 is the max I think anybody should be shooting for speed. And, 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 and I, if you can get it to two, if you're like, oh, I get fixed blades to shoot at 300 feet per second, great. If you can do that, keep, keep rubbing funk on it. But, but definitely, if you're struggling with tuning, you're shooting super fast, you're shooting small veins, you know, don't worry about shooting a three inch vein. I have so many people trying to shoot like a two to two and a quarter inch vein and, and tune broadheads with it. Well, what if I have to shoot far? I don't know. Get closer for fuck's sake. If you can't get it to tune, it doesn't matter anyway. And what I say by that is if you can't get the broadhead to hit, well, you're not certainly, it doesn't matter how far it does. You know, if the if it drifts less than the wind at a hundred yards, you're not going to hit the target anyway because you're not accurate with it. So worry about accuracy, worry about, you know, again, when I say accuracy, shooting, but also the tuning portion. Don't worry about speed that much. That's It's not that big of a deal. 265 to 280 feet per second is plenty. And shoot, don't, you know, arrow setups, don't get wrapped up in crazy FOC. Shoot a good amount of point weight. I try, I suggest for everybody to have at least 150 up front, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, you know, a good, a decent amount of arrow weight. Um, the next podcast that I'm going to do, I'm going to talk about more of what arrow weight certain draw links should have, distances, things like that. A lot of questions I got, especially since my wife shot a bunch of animals with her bow, kind of some insight, when to shoot mechanicals, when to shoot fixed blades, things like that. But do not stress over those things. Um, you know, will a whitetail get out of the way of your arrow? Yes. Will you shoot one in the stomach because your broadhead's flying really bad? Yes. So a happy medium, good accuracy, good arrow weight, quiet bow, focus on those things. I think you'll be better off. I hope I didn't confuse too many people on this, and I actually helped. It's much easier to show when a bow is in my hand and I'm teaching people, but I, I, I did my best and I kind of winged it. Um, some of the more you know intricate things when you're talking about the cam timing and the shifting of the cams over, um, yoke tuning. There's lots and lots of videos out there on that. Um, you know, ch check those out there. Uh, uh, no limits. Archery's got tons of videos out there. Uh, Levi Morgan's got a bunch. Gillingham's got a bunch. Dudley's got a bunch, uh, amongst many, many other people. I don't know Chris B that well, but it sounds like he's got a bunch of those videos. Become a student of the sport, learn what the fuck you're doing and you'll be better off. Meaning get out there, 
try a bunch of veins, try a bunch of different point weights, try, build your own arrows, get a bow press, all those different things. So next up, I'm going to go into uh, the different uh, broad, different weights for what broadhead to shoot. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about it on the next podcast, uh, setting up a home arch range, kind of smorgasbord of a bunch of different topics all in one. So thanks for tuning in, everyone. Check out Sheep Feet, uh, the custom orthotic. Sig Optics, uh, Sever Broadheads, and uh, also Sig Optics and Firearms, Sever Broadheads, great companies, and uh, they've been great to us, and I've had great good luck, great luck with all of them. So thanks again for tuning in.